In this episode, Jason and I talk about the journey to a successful business proposition and the milestones you'll cross. The first one being majorly gathering a thousand true fans. By nurturing the relationships with them, you can ensure you're on the fast track to growing your tribe and establishing a monopoly in your own niche. You're listening to Digital Bacon FM. Coming up for the top of the hour here on the weekday brunch with me, Jason Black. It's Friday and Friday at 10 o'clock is always a special day because we have the man, the man with the brain that knows more about marketing than other people with brains. Good morning, Mr. Barnes. The Hong Kong Beasigas are at your service, Mr. Black. <laughs> I really enjoyed reading up a little bit of the um, information you sent me today. Um, Kevin Kelly, of course, one of your intellectual heroes and a thousand true fans. Going to be an interesting chat today. Mm, yeah, thousand true fans. It's a um, uh, sort of a, a milestone that everybody who is thinking about developing some kind of proposition on the Internet where they're going to uh, exchange value of some sort or another. Uh, the idea is to have uh, an expertise or be able to deliver uh, such compelling value that uh, 1,000 people around the world um, will be prepared basically to spend $100 each year with you because they have so much respect and admiration. They get so much value out of what you do and um, how you complement their lives and help them achieve their objectives and goals that uh, whatever you put out, they will spend uh, they'll buy it from you. And mm. if um, you get a thousand of those people uh, and they'll each spend 100 US dollars a year with you, then as I say, as a starting idea uh, for an internet proposition, um, get yourself a thousand true fans as your first target and they'll give you $100,000 a year uh, in income. And basically anybody can live off $100,000 a year in income. Mm. Uh, I find that quite interesting. You, you know, is does it sound like a lot of people uh, to have a thousand fans? But when you have a look at the size of the world and if you are doing it uh, via the Internet, it's it's not a lot of people at all. Now, I remember last week. Exactly. You, That's right. You said you've got 150,000 people that hit your sites. Well, that's our tribe, yeah. Uh, mm. Our true fans, well, I can tell you if you if, if we have more than a thousand true fans because we have a lot more than a thousand US dollars, a hundred thousand dollars a year that come our way. Mm. And there's 26 people in my organization now, so they expect that to be the case. Mm. But, you know, the, the, the lesson behind this is that, you know, if you're in, interested in uh, developing uh, an insect, in, uh, intelligent content marketing proposition, such as, you know, we've done. Uh, at the Hong Kong Visa Center, and you're going to publish uh, using WordPress in the way that we have done at the Hong Kong Visa Center, and you're going to construct your proposition so that uh, you deliver value uniquely and you help your fans answer questions and solve problems. Mm. Um, going after a, a, an initial target of a thousand people is, you know, completely within the realms of possibility for anybody. Uh, one of the other interesting points, besides the money aspect of it, he said you you need to have a direct relationship with all of those people. How how do you have a direct relationship with with a lot of people, and yet it still feels personal and on a one to one basis? Uh, so there's, well, there's there's technologies that you can use to automate all your correspondence and communications. Mm. Um, you obviously uh, can put together uh, webinars and other opportunities for. 
people to gather in groups on your um, you know on your website so that you can address the whole group. Mm. Um, so there's a, a gazillion ways to do that. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be a direct one-to-one every exchange, but you, you package your value uh, and you deliver it, uh, and then you make uh, yourself available to support and answer questions in some sort of structured format. Mm. Uh, and uh, as, as Kevin Kelly says, and other people say too, um, it's a lot easier to sell stuff to people you've already got a relationship with, they're already the customer, than trying to go out and um, you know, generate new relationships and find new buyers for your stuff. So once you've got your tribe and you nurture them and you treat them with respect and you continue to deliver value to them so that they can um, um, you know, get out of the relationship that which they had invested uh, by coming into it with you and obviously putting their money into it. And it's a, a completely winning proposition. And if you were just starting out in business and you said, right, I want to, my first, my first milestone is a thousand uh, true fans. What, what is a reasonable time to expect to be able to, to get that? Oh, well, you've got to win your relationships one at a time, Jason. Mm. So you know that uh, fiscally you're going to aim for a thousand. Uh, and that's your benchmark, knowing that that's you know completely attainable. But but you put your head down and you start to develop your proposition. You start to publish to it. And you start to get the uh, attention of people. Um, uh, and then once you've won their attention, you can anticipate having some sort of relationship through them with sort of with them, and then give them more value. And then at some point, you know whatever it is that you've got to purchase, a percentage of them will buy from you. Uh, and then once they purchase from from once from you the nature of the relationship changes at that point and there's a pretty good chance that um they'll buy other stuff uh, from you as well if it's going to uh you know complement their lives in some meaningful way so so yeah start off in your mind that the mission is to uh is accomplished once you've achieved 1000 true fans but recognize that you're going to win your relationships one at a time and depending what what it is that, that you do and the way that you take it to market and the way that you um you know develop that proposition the way that it appeals and of course the actual tangible, realistic size of the potential uh, tribe that you've got uh, will all sort of denote how fast and um, how efficiently you'll be able to attain a thousand true fans. Hmm. Um, but you know, the truth is, it's a it's a modest number, as you pointed out, and it's completely attainable. Now, how how do you invest in that word of mouth or customer referral? Because that's a very powerful endorsement when when somebody is singing your praises for you. You don't have to do it. It's actually much more powerful when somebody else does it. How do you invest in that? Uh, well, having a having a rock solid proposition, you know, basically putting together something that uh, is remarkable uh, and contains an irresistible offer, bundled up with an idea virus, um, be seen to be generous, um, support your tribe, make yourself available, just be a, a really good person that's um, obviously making a living out of the expertise that you've got, but treat people with respect and recognize that uh, uh, if you uh, can create good relationships with people, then the word will spread. Mm. Now that that goes counter to everything that people initially initially believe with you giving everything away for free. So the you know it's a, it, as you read if you have a look through the uh, the Technium and his his piece on a thousand true fans. It, it's a numbers game. It's a hundred dollars times a thousand people. It's a hundred thousand dollars. So you've got to weigh that up against giving all of that stuff out for free. Uh, well, well, yes and no, right? On the one hand, you you're going to have to deliver value unconditionally to probably you know maybe 
50 or 60, 60 times that number of people before you're actually able to coalesce on a thousand true fans. Mm. Um, so, you know, the act of, the act of being generous, giving your, giving, um, you know, uh, material away to, to people for free unconditionally, that's making art, that's reaching out and creating relationships. Um, you, what you keep in reserve, so to speak, is the good stuff, the kind of the, uh, the crown jewels that uh, you know have to be uh, revealed every so often, um, uh, and obviously you pay for those. But that doesn't mean that you're holding every, absolutely everything back. You're just saying, look, you know, I have to make a living, and um, whilst I'm giving you 98% of of what I know completely for free, uh, there is a sign. There is a, a, a small part of um, of that exchange that um, is held back because. Uh, that's ultimately what we're selling mm. uh, and what we're selling ultimately you're going to have to pay for. So uh, what we sell, as you know, is peace of mind and that's what people pay for. Now, one one of the things that you've always said is the difference between the old economy and the new connection in the economy. And I wanted to read you something uh, from the article. And uh, now here's the thing, the big corporation, the intermediates, the commercial producers are all under-equipped and ill-suited to connect with these thousand true fans. They are institutionally unable to find and deliver niche audiences and consumers. That means the long tail is wide open to you, the creator. You have your one in a million true fans to yourself, and the tools for connecting to them gets better, including recent innovations like social media. It's never been easier to gather 1,000 true fans around a creator, and never easier to keep them near. I suppose that goes to your proposition of, of good quality content. It, well, indeed, yes, it answers questions and solves problems. The, um, uh, the thing about uh, the industrial economy and the industrial economy behemoths that you know, control vast swathes of economic activity after 150 years of the industrial economy being in full steam mm. is that they're designed to produce you know, average stuff for average people. They've always been um, out there, the so-called mass market. Uh, well, you know, that mass markets really is no longer um, a function of how we are uh, organized because mass markets accrued through limited means of communication previously, radio, television, cinemas, um, means to address, you know, larger numbers of people rather than individuals. Uh, and the industrial economy, the entire uh, commercial dynamic behind it was to basically advertise and get people to buy stuff take your profits and then take some of those profits and put more into advertising and then, uh, you know, repeat, uh, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Mm. Understanding that you're going to sell something that was designed for potentially everybody to buy. Um, not, 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 not really caring too much about the fact that, you know, a large portion of the so-called audience that you'd be addressing through your mass media techniques uh, wouldn't just simply not be interested in that stuff. So now what you have with the connection economy and the ubiquitous connections and everybody becoming a publisher just by owning, in a sense, you know, a handphone, uh, you've got the opportunity to uh, to reach uh, up to a thousand uh, people mm. and, uh, and create a thousand true fans in that fashion. And that's not commonly understood. And Kevin Kelly is absolutely right when he talks about the big industrial players not, not being geared up institutionally or organizationally in any way, shape or form mm. to be able to go down at the, uh, the, the, the micro level and, uh, and, and forge 1,000 relationships with 1,000 true fans. Do, do you think there's a danger if we invest too heavily personally in social media? If, if you say that social media is one of, the, uh, one of the things that exploded people's ability to connect, 
if there's such a backlash coming because of the politicization of it, is there a danger that people shy away from it in the future and you lose your opportunity or the base that you built up on social media platforms? Well, well, yeah, that's a great, great, great point. So if you're going to do this, you don't, you absolutely don't just, you know, develop a Facebook page and, and then run your entire business around that Facebook page. Because if you do that, Facebook own your business, you don't own the business. So what you have to understand is that you take a WordPress website and you use your WordPress website, which you own against your domain on your server, um, that, uh, that, that hosts all of your content, that is the place where your visitors come to. And then you use the social media channels as a means to amplify the content that you produce on your own websites. So you would do your post on your WordPress website and then you'd send a link, a copy of that, that post or a link to that post over to your Facebook page and distribute it on LinkedIn and distribute it via Twitter and what have you so that that material is coming to the attention of your wider tribe via the social media platforms, but you're not asking them to hang out with you on those social media platforms. Mm. You're actually inviting them to click on the links that brings you back to your platform where you are sure. uh, and your WordPress platform. And that is, that's the one that you own. So yeah, it's a fool's errand to try and build a business on the, on one of the big social media sites, not only for the reasons that you suggest, but simply because, you know, these uh, Facebook, they change their policies all the time as to what you can and what you can't do, mm. uh, you know, and um, with, a, with, with a single stroke, your entire proposition could just be wiped off the internet uh, just because you don't fit to somebody else's business model anymore. So it's a means to an end, but they, you shouldn't invest in it too much, huh? Well, it's content amplification. So what we do is we uh, we publish on our websites and then we make sure that copies of all our content get get distributed through to the social media sites. And and there we will have conversations with people if they don't come back to the website because you know they prefer to have a, a, a an exchange on Facebook. You know, we'll hopefully have that exchange on Facebook. Mm. But all of that is peripheral to the main game, and the main game is mothership, where your where your WordPress website, which you own, control and direct. It's your 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 own piece of the internet to the exclusion of everybody else. And that's where you sink your proposition down deep over time into the fabric of the internet by mapping the knowledge graph because you've answered all the questions uh, that can possibly be asked in that uh, in, in your particular niche. And you then go on to become recognized by Google as the go-to place for definitive information on that particular niche. Mm. Uh, and uh, it's a self, um, you know, self-fulfilling virtuous cycle if you do it that way. Now, what would you say is a reasonable amount of time to actually um, to contact your tribe? I, I, I don't think I'm any different from the, the average person in the street in that I don't mind receiving some information every now and again, like I still get yours and I still find them interesting because obviously I know you, but it's the subject and the way that it's written I find quite interesting. A lot of the stuff that I get, I wish they wouldn't send it to me. Um, and obviously, yeah. if you're on both ends of it, but being being a receiver of information, but also wanting to be somebody that sends out information to a tribe, how do you get that balance without basically pissing anybody off? Well, yeah, great question. So this is Seth Godin's and uh, and permission marketing, uh, and the way that the way that we do this right is we ask ourselves, you know, amongst our tribe. Is there anybody out there that would complain that they didn't hear from us because of the nature of the value that we were giving away? Mm. 
So the only the only time that we ever communicate with our tribe is when we have something of real value that uh, that's going to enhance the, their lives in some way. Now, they may not be interested in it at the point that we deliver it to them because of timing or things going on in their lives or otherwise. But when we communicate, we only communicate to say, hey, I'm giving a talk. You may find this interesting. It's completely free. Oh, and by the way, and if you come, we'll give you a one hour free studio time in the video cha cha studio, mm. for example. Okay. Um, we just, you know, we just make sure that uh, our uh, communications, when they are received, they're received in a way so that the person receiving can't be disgruntled because, you know, we're trying to steal some attention from them or a space on their inbox, even if it's just for a minuscule moment in time. Mm. Um, recognizing people's attention is uh, is the most valuable thing where you've got uh, a connection economy based on uh, uh, on abundance and not on scarcity. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Respecting people's attention is the game, and the way that we do that is only to commun- only communicate when we have real value to deliver. If there's no value to deliver, we don't communicate because well, all that will happen is that the subscriber list that you get, uh, they just get whittled down to nothing because um, you know you just over communicate with them and people aren't interested in it. Mm. And 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 by the same token, if you're sending materials that you know, such a frequent basis that you know that people can't consume all of that stuff. Whatever it is that you're doing, it's just going to get ditched and put in your inbox. So, so there, you know, um, less is more. Absolutely. Mm. Well, you know, you know, when you were out here last, you met Gulu, uh, the owner of Moorcroft Manor, the hotel that I, I like to I like to work with, and uh, we've been working on the social media for that side. And the most effective posts that we have are the ones that go to what we actually do, why we do it, and how we do it. There's never, ever been a hard sell approach on the social media, not like, oh, come and have this, it's this discount, it's that discount, it's this is what we do in the kitchen, these are the ingredients we use, and this is how much fun we have doing it. And those posts are the ones that actually get the most traction. Um, There's There's no surprise there, because there's no surprise there, Jason, because what you're doing in the way that you do that is you're, you're putting ever more layers on top of your story, right? It's the Moorcroft story. And people, people, humans re- respond to stories. And mm. so you can, in a sense, you can gain people's attention by, by educating them and, uh, and surprising them and sort of giving them something to think about. But at the same time, you know, become part of the, uh, of the awareness mission. Mm. Uh, when you're telling uh, your, your stories mini, in a mini fashion or in a, in a, in a cohesive, you know, big chunk fashion, mm. uh, however you do it. Uh, so it's all ultimately about storytelling, and if you know how to tell tell a story that's worth telling, and tell it in such a way that it it uh, you know adds value to people's lives in some small way, uh, you'll win. Now you mentioned your video production, video chacha, um, and I know that your business yeah. model and the way that you deliver content has changed over the uh, over the years that I've known you. you. Went from written content to visual video content. What drove that? When I first started out, right, I was almost bankrupt. So the only technology that I had available to me that I could use was was the written word, you know, just typing it up. Um, and so that's how I started off with written content. Uh, but then pretty quickly, uh, I realized, well, I knew because uh, when I'd written the first version of the Hong Kong Video Handbook back in 1996, which was just flat text, um, didn't the internet didn't have the prowess or capability at that point to deliver feature-rich content. So, you know, fast forward 10 years or so, when I'm rewriting the Hong Kong Visa Handbook and having another go at it, 
Um, uh, my mission at that point then was to produce content that was 10 times better than anybody else uh, and uh, realize that, you know, the cost of producing feature-rich content had, had plummeted down to not much more than the cost of actually producing just text-based content. Uh, and so I gradually shifted into um, self-made videos in order to, you know, get my face on stuff and, uh, and, and communicate in a, in a way differently from just mere flat text. Um, and then from that, we just kicked on because we made money out of that and we were able to invest in a high, content pro- high quality content proposition. So I was able to bring on uh, colleagues that I found via Elance and Fiverr and what have you. Um, and then began, began to sort of mix the content mix up, uh, you know, by bringing on these other additional resources that were all effectively, you know, cost effective. And, um, uh, and, and we just got to a point where I knew that we needed to become a video production company because we were becoming a publishing concern. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it was all driven sort of just by the dynamics of, of having been successful with early content, which, which was just flat text, of course, and as everybody would normally start out with. Um, but it's, it's not so much the sort of the nature of the content, but it's the quality of the content and, and how it actually delivers value that's important. Um, and if you, um, if you start off on that, in that guise just by writing stuff, um, there's no doubt that you'll be able to generate revenues in due course that will allow you to reinvest, um, you know, some of those earnings back into a higher content proposition and end up, as we've done, you know, to become a publisher with a video production concern over time. And there's sort of six creatives in our team now, mm. which is not bad given that seven years ago it was just me and, uh, and, and PowerPoint and, uh, and Martin was sticking the post up on, uh, on the internet via WordPress. Uh, via WordPress. Now, I know that you monitor uh, the hits on the website, and I'm sure you also monitor how long people actually spend reading or watching your content. How much time do you think people devote to it? And if you were going to go out with a strategy to say, right, I want to launch, I want to give credible content, but I know people have X amount of time that they're prepared to give me, what would you say that that amount of time is? Um, well, it just depends. It, it just depends how uh, keen and eager they are to consume your content because of the value that it delivers to them, right? So it just depends from niche to niche. What I what I can tell you is that um, the way our websites perform is that we create 350 to 400 new relationships every day, and that we the average visitor is spending just over three minutes on our website. Uh, and uh, is visiting three pages in that time. Mm. So basically it means that they've been able to get what they want out of our websites within three clicks and within three minutes. Mm. And that and that's the result because people don't stick around websites just for the sake of sticking around. Mm. Uh, once they've got what, they, what, what, what you've got, you move, you move on. So, you know, three minutes is not bad. Plus, there's also a, a statistic that you can you can garner from Google Analytics which tells you how um, sticky your content is, and that's called the bounce rate. So if somebody's searching on Google uh, for one particular thing and then they end up on your website, um, if they see the website they've come on doesn't actually afford with the reason why they've done that search in the first place, they bounce straight off. Mm. So that's called the bounce rate. Uh, and our bounce rate is about 6%. So 94% of people that are looking, that come onto our website typically via a search, 
um, are, are sticking around and uh, are visiting three pages and the withers for about three uh, three minutes, as I say. And, that, that's and that's ninety-four percent of people. And that goes back to what you were saying last week, in that you 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 set this up with the with the possible number of questions that people would probably ask, and therefore created answers for that. Therefore, they stay with you longer. It's not a hit and miss. It's very, very strategic. Yeah, it's all focus. You know, you, you go to a website because you, you're looking for something specifically, right? Then if you grasp that nettle and you deliver a web proposition that, that, that uh, dovetails into the reason why they would come to your website in the first place, then, you know, you're, you're home and host. Mm. Uh, most, most, most business owners think that a website is... It's kind of like a complimentary online brochure where they can get some information about their online, their offline business. Mm. But that's not the case at all. The world today is, is on the internet and the proposition should be on your internet, on the internet. And your offline proposition, well, just supports your online, your, your, your online initiatives, in my view. Mm. Um, I just received a comment on WhatsApp, you know, about um, aggressive Facebook marketing and how that uh, actually pushes customers away rather than than attracting them. One one brand in particular is probably putting out seven or eight bits of content a day. Um, well, it's, it's a numbers a, game. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a numbers game, and it's an internet marketing game. And there's a there there are, there are probably two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand young whiz kids that are that understand certain dynamics of the internet uh, and understand how to gain people's attention via Facebook feeds and pull them off Facebook and get them onto a single page where they sell stuff, uh, you know, and they might pay one US dollar for that visitor. Uh, and then they sell a product for 30 US dollars. So they have a $29 net profit, right? Mm. That's kind of what that's all about. Um, we, we go a lot deeper than that. We're interested in long-term relationships. We're not just inter interested in quick sales. And, uh, it's the difference between, you know, direct, direct response marketing, say leafleting uh, a neighborhood and sticking leaflets in people's mailboxes. Um, and, uh, and actually, you know, taking the trouble of knocking on the door and introducing yourself and making yourself available and, you know, suggesting that you've got any problems that they need uh, help with, you know, you're the man to do it. In a theoretical sense, that's the difference between the approach that we take and the approach that you know, these internet marketeers take and uh, that, uh, uh, you know, lead to the uh, uh, the observation that you've, that's just been made by your, uh, your listener on no. WhatsApp about Facebook just being in the stream, being inundated with the stuff more than likely not interested in now you you say that you've you've grown your tribe and and, and we were just talking about you getting uh, 400 unique visitors coming to your site and they spend three minutes there at what point do you invite them to subscribe to give you an email so that you can provide them with further content or is that further on down the down that relationship no, it's all it's still there for them. The the websites are designed to to basically give them everything that they need in a certain way, uh, and then if they want to access other types of material that uh, next level of detail, then you know they can do that. But all we ask for from them is their is their email address so that we can have a relationship with them. Hmm. So it just depends on um, you know on on the needs that people have for the content that we've got on our websites, and to the extent that. They might have to actually give us their email address to get a certain part of the content. Mm. The truth is, you don't actually need to sign up for anything on our website to get full value out of it. We don't hold anything back. It's just that we've, you know, we had opportunities to curate and compile 
uh, and organize some of our materials in a way that we could deliver it as an extension kit or a do-it-yourself visa kit or sign up for the top-line content that we've got called Schooling the Lawyers. There's there's half a dozen little sort of initiatives like this we've got across our websites that um, afford an opportunity for visitors to stop being near drive-by visitors and you know start to start knocking on the door so to speak and uh, and introducing themselves by giving them the by them giving us uh, their email address now how does this differ uh, in your approach with intelligent content dot marketing uh, in in terms of the content that you're providing well it's exactly the same exactly the same so we have uh uh, but 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 just under a different level of detail because of the the nature of intelligent content marketing and what we're what we're actually, what value we're actually delivering. Mm. But intelligent content marketing, we're not selling a service. But intelligent content marketing, we're we're basically seeking to make an idea spread. Um, and uh, in order to make the idea spread, we need to have relationships with people. So we have a video called Monopoly: mm. How to Build One from Nothing with No Money Invested which basically sets out in 10 parts how you can go about devising an intelligent content marketing strategy, uh, understanding that in the context of my story and the story of the Hong Kong Visa Center. Mm. Uh, and then if, if, if that takes, if that piques your interest, then you're, entire, you're invited to come and sign up for the Encyclopedia of Intelligent Content Marketing, which is a, a, a membership site that's completely free. All we need is your, your first name and your email address. Um, and then you get access to another 300 or something videos and 100 and something uh, infographics plus more and more content being added every week. Mm. Um, so that that's like the definitive go-to place on the internet if you're interested in this concept called intelligent content marketing. And because you, you have to be a member and we've got your email address, you know, we can, we can communicate and we can correspond with you. And, and, you know, we engage in permission marketing. We respect our subscribers, you know, no end. So we don't spam people. We only deliver value. That's the game. So, you know, the the, the applicability of the ideas that you see in Hong Kong Visa Center um, apply absolutely in intelligent content marketing and indeed every other niche when you get right down to it. It's just a question of configuring those ideas and understanding, sorry, it's understanding those ideas and configuring the, the various tools and techniques and the elements of your websites to be able to, you know, dovetail squarely into the best way of, you know, manifesting um, an opportunity to have a relationship with somebody. Now, I've, I've done lots of quirky things in my life, and the, the usual question always raises its head. How are you going to make money from it? Oh, I'm going to do a radio station. How are you going to make money from it? We're going to uh, do those, the uh, you know, the... Uh, the icons, those calendars, how are you going to make cash out of it? So the yeah. question that I've been dying to ask you is intelligent content dot marketing. How are you going to make money out of it? Okay, so we will make money in two ways. Firstly, there's the implied and intrinsic value of being the owner of that idea virus, intelligent content marketing. Because when the idea spreads, then you become the de facto expert in that niche. And once you become the de facto expert in that niche, people will beat a path to your door ready to give you money for one reason or another. No idea how that will actually turn into a manifested cash proposition. Less important to me than anything, to be quite honest. I just know that uh, experience tells me if you get your idea to spread, you share generously with, with others how you're doing and empower them to be able to copy you and apply that stuff you know, to their niche. You win. 
you win, mm. you win. That's that's just the order of the day with the connection of planet me. But more that more concretely, we have uh, an initiative called Monopoly the Planner, and uh, the, the the Monopoly the Planner is a, a a series of videos that I've shot with one of my old business partners, who in many ways is similar to me. He's a professional in Hong Kong, well educated. He's got a particular niche that he's in prime position to dominate if he puts a very, very good content proposition out there. Uh, it's designed to answer questions and help solve problems. It's, his niche is to assist uh, bankers and investment managers who need to have licenses issued by the Securities and Futures Commission in Hong Kong. They have to pass examinations to get those licenses. And, um, and, and, and this gentleman, David Bruce, uh, is the only guy really in Hong Kong that's got the expertise to teach people how to pass those exams. Mm. So um, long and the short of it is that I've spent uh, the last 11 weeks on Saturday mornings going through a, a 36-chapter initiative where the team came in and we videoed me against a whiteboard, basically educating David as to everything that he would ever need to know to turn um, uh, intelligent content marketing into an actionable strategy for him. And he's, I've been teaching him how to do all of that. And so we've developed a whole line of content around that. And that's going to be an information product that we will be selling, um, probably start selling in about three months when it's fully developed. Mm. Um, and there, there, there we're going to sell it for 2,500 US dollars. Um, the information will be delivered uh, over the course of 10 weeks, one module a week, and you, you pay your money up front. For the first four weeks, you get all the material, and during those first four weeks, one click, 100% money back uh, guarantee. You have a complete refund. If after four weeks, you're not getting any value out of the material. Mm. You get your refund. You can keep the material that we've already sent you. Mm. Uh, and so that's how we're going to directly monetize intelligent content marketing. And uh, uh, and it makes sense to sort of you know, monetize as you can, and, uh, and we are going to do that. But actually, the content that uh, we're producing in that fashion is, is of such a high value. It's, you know, it's very... Um, uh, immediately actionable. It's the kind of stuff that that you know really should command the cash uh, cash purchase price. Um, yeah. So so anybody who has a business uh, at any stage established or thinking of establishing a business can visit intelligentcontent.marketing and glean loads and loads of information uh, that they would uh, enable themselves to set themselves on a good course. Well, by the middle of this year, there will be a minimum of seven or 800 pieces of content, half of which will be video based on the Intelligent Content Marketing website and also on the Encyclopedia of Intelligent Content Marketing. Hmm. So, and that, and we're going to continue to add to that on an ongoing basis. Uh, in addition to that, we have the Monopoly Planner, which you will pay two and a half thousand US dollars for. You get all your money back in the first four weeks via a single click uh, if you you know, decide you don't want to uh, get this uh, stuff anymore. Um, and you also get, as part of having purchased that, you'll get access to other um, material and information that uh, we'll be developing and sharing sort of the next level secrets with people. Mm. Um, in sort of the inner tribe. There'll be the outer tribe and the inner tribe. And the inner tribe will be those who, who uh, invest two and a half thousand dollars in 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 the miniature layer of the expertise and uh, and ongoing insights that uh, the, uh, the 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 outer tribe will not be able to access, and the outer tribe will still have access to ninety percent of all our content anyway. It's just mm. that you know this stuff 
um, is of a higher caliber. And uh, and if you want it, you know, by all means, you know, come and try it. And if you like it, you'll stick with it. If not, we'll give you your money back and, and you can keep what you've already learned anyway. So mm. that's what you get 40% of it free come what may. Sure. Well, thanks very much, Stephen. Will we catch up with you next Friday from Hong Kong again, or are you traveling? No, no, I'll be here, and hopefully uh, I won't, won't, there won't be any banging then. <laughs> Look forward to chatting to you then. Have an absolutely awesome weekend, and uh, next Friday it is then. Digital Bacon FM. Now that you have proof that you can grow a tribe by being generous with your IP, join us on the next podcast where we'll be discussing how to be sure that your content will be dominating the search engines.